far? How many of you are having a great week so far? How many of you want to start this week over? Anybody? Good. Good. We got the air on in here, so no one's going to fall asleep. We got the Word of God we're going to look at. How many of you ate pizza tonight? Is that good? A couple of you. How many of you are hungry right now? All right. All right, Exodus chapter 18, Exodus, the book of Exodus, verse number nine, uh, 17, we're going to look at in Exodus chapter number 18, verse number 17. How many of you ever studied from the book of Exodus chapter 18 before? A couple of you. How many of you know where Exodus is? It's Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus. 18, verse number 17. How many of you believe this? We can always do better. Do you believe that? Are you guys not talking tonight? What's wrong? I asked how many of you had a great week, and most of you raised your hand. Now I'm trying to talk to you, and no one wants to talk. What's he saying back there? Yeah. We can always do better, Right? Moses is in a place where he is going to be challenged to do better. He thinks, how many of you ever ever done something or where you were doing something that you thought was good and somebody comes alongside of you and tells you, you can get better? And you thought you were doing your best. Like, you thought they were supposed to come along and say how great you're doing, how wonderful you are, how Israel can't make it without you. This two million people, they need you so bad, and you're doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. Jethro says to Moses, the thing that thou doest, it's not good. Not very encouraging, is it? Look with me in verse number 17. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. Without reading the rest, we would, if we stopped at that point, we'd question, why would this not be good? Moses is giving everything he can to Israel. Moses is doing everything he can to help the people. Moses isn't cheating the people. Moses isn't giving them bad advice. Moses, if you look at what he's doing, you would say he's doing a wonderful thing because people have a need, and Moses is standing there from the morning till the evening and everyone that has a need can get their need met from Moses. Moses is a wonderful guy. He, he freed them from the bondage of Egypt. And, and now he's there doing everything he can, sacrificing everything he has so the people have their needs met. And Jethro comes along. And Jethro, who has no idea what Moses has been through, he has no idea what's going on, he... he he really doesn't understand God's the one speaking to, to Moses and telling Moses what to do. Who is Jethro to come along and put his two cents into what Moses is doing? How many of you, if that were you, you would welcome the input from someone that has absolutely no idea what you're doing and why you're doing it? Anybody? No. It goes against us as humans to at times to accept that. But let's read on. In verse number 18, the Bible says, Thou shalt surely wear away. Both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. 
thou art not able to perform it thy, thyself. And I want you to look at a word there, that word alone. And just circle that if you're taking notes. Take note of that. He says, the thing that you're doing is too heavy for you. You're not able to perform this thyself alone. And so what Jethro sees is this one-man show. They say, and, and I guess no one really knows, but just the, the number of men, we do know the number of men, and so just kind of figuring out men and women and children, they say there could be at, at the number of a two million people that Moses has led out of Egypt. That's now in the wilderness here. They're not in the promised land. They're in a wilderness. They're in a place between Egypt and the place where they're heading to. And they've already got problems. I mean, they're, they're not even into this thing very far. Because where there's people, there's always what? Problems. Where there's people, there's problems. Moses is doing the best that he can to help meet these problems, the needs of the people. And Jethro says, you can't do this by yourself. It's too much. It's too great. How many of you love to do things alone? Somebody try to offer to help you. When I'm putting something together, I don't want anybody's help. I don't, want to read, I don't even want the instructions help. I want, to, I want to figure this thing out. Have you, have you or are you the type of person that says, if I want something done right, I'm going to do it myself? A lot of people say that. And really what you're saying is, I'm going to do this alone. One is I don't have time for people. I don't have time for their problem. I don't have time for their input. I can do this better by myself. Moses is in a place where Jethro says to him, Moses, you can't do this by yourself. The reality is none of us are going to be able to perform and do what God has called us to do alone. We need help. And that's the principle that we're seeing here that Jethro is setting out to Moses, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your Christian walk, whether it's in your church membership, if you're going to do what God has called you to do, you're not going to be able to do it alone. It's too big. You see, if, if Moses was able to do this alone, then God didn't need to receive glory and wasn't going to receive glory. Moses would receive it all. It would be said of Moses how great of a leader Moses is. Moses is so great that the entire nation of Israel brings their problems to Moses and Moses fixes their problems. Why do you think it is that when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he brought them through plagues, he brought them to the Red Sea, he brought them to places where Moses could not answer their questions and Moses didn't have the strength in himself to fix this. When God led them out of Egypt, he leads them to the Red Sea and Moses isn't even sure what's going to happen now. Because here's the, the, the greatest army in the world at that time is coming toward them and the only escape route they have is the Red Sea. And God brings them there for a purpose because Moses wasn't the answer for Israel. God is. And sometimes in life, if we're not careful, we try to be the answer. We try to figure things out. We try to do things alone and we try to do things in our own strength. And hear me tonight, God never intended you to do things alone and in your own strength. And this was a leadership principle that Moses had to come to. Because all of us are just like Moses. We get, time, we get into life. How many of you would say life is sometimes, most of the time, busy, out of control, 
and maybe even borderline ridiculous. <laughs> you, ever, you ever, how many of you, you remembered it was June like yesterday and the kids are going back to school? Like what happened to this summer? And, and, and hear me, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna jump around and be crazy. I got a real bad headache tonight, so stay with me, okay? Some, sometimes if we're not careful, we get so busy in our life, it's too difficult for us to make the adjustments necessary. We just go on with the same pattern, doing the same thing, the same way. Even at times when we know it's not the best, we just never slow down long enough to make the right adjustments. And we get down life, and it's not just a two-month summer. How many of you remember 10 years ago being yesterday? I sat this week. This weekend, Michelle and I went down to see Jacob. And I looked at this man, and I thought to myself, where is that little boy like that we had yesterday? And now I'm looking at this I'm watching him grow up. Like, I felt like he was growing up while I'm watching him. And I remember taking this boy home from the hospital and looking at him and Michelle and both of us saying, I can't believe they're letting us take this baby home. This is like a real live human being and we have no idea what we're doing. And they're letting us take this baby home. That was yesterday. And today, like this. You know what I realize this? If I'm not careful, 18, 19, he'll be 19 in just a couple months. 19 years can go by so quickly. I can fail to make the proper adjustments as a parent that I need to make. And 19 years later, it's done. 20-some years in married I felt like yesterday, I stood at that altar and said, I do to Michelle. I felt like it was yesterday. And 20 some years later, it's, and if we're not careful, we can live life, be so busy, time can go by so quickly, and we fail to make the proper adjustments in our life. And praise God for men like Jethro that come into our life and say, the thing that you're doing is not good. Because what you're trying to do, you're trying to do alone, and you need God's help. Moses was a righteous man. Moses was a meek man. Moses was not doing something where he was gaining, um, uh, gaining things in a wrong way and, and taking things from the people. There was nothing, and Moses said that later. Moses said, I've not taken anything from the people. But what Moses was doing, Moses was doing everything so that if everything went right, he would get the credit. And hear me, as we get into this message, this lesson this evening, I want you to think about this thought. God is not willing to share his glory with any man. If your marriage is going to work, God wants to receive the glory, not you. If your job, if you're going to get credit at your job, God is not willing to share his glory with any man. He wants to receive full glory. Therefore, this, you can't do anything on your own without God's strength. That's the way God wants it. 
He doesn't want you to be able to be successful in your own power. God wants you to be at a place in your life where you are succeeding, but you're succeeding because of his help, his power, his blessing. Because if we don't need God, then we receive the glory ourselves when something goes right, and God's not willing to share his glory. Are you with me so far? And so let's continue reading. Thou shalt teach them the ordinance. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, let's go back to 19. Um, hearken now unto my voice, and I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein thou must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. See, Moses is no longer alone, right? For Jethro said, you can't do this alone. His advice to Moses is that somebody is going to walk alongside of you and bear this burden with you. And he says in verse number 23, If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee, uh, command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. Now allow me, if you would, please, I want to describe, a, take a few minutes this evening, and I want, you to, I want to describe a situation to you that really caused me to go to this passage of Scripture and really study out passage of Scripture. When I was, this weekend, when I went to um, um, San Antonio, I, I went there for a couple reasons, looking forward to, obviously, looking forward to spend time with my son. But a second reason, or maybe third or whatever down the, down the road there, I wanted to spend time with my wife as well. And one of the things that I thought, going to San Antonio, there's a church in San Antonio that I've always thought would be interesting to go to. I'm weird. I like to go to churches. Matter of fact, I planned Sunday, I was going to go to a couple different churches. I figured out times in where we could go to church. And Michelle said, you're just going to go to church all day? And I said, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fun thing to do. And I like to go to churches for various reasons. One, I like to go to churches to see how they function. Um, I like to go to church. I like to evaluate things. And so there's a church in San Antonio. San Antonio. How many of you ever heard of the name John Haggy? Ever hear of him? And I, I don't know all of his doctrine, and, and I'm sure there's somebody who's going to say, I can't believe you'd go to a church where... I, I like his stand on Israel. I, I like his stand on salvation. And if there's anything you know about John, John Haggy that is bad, um, I don't care. Um, <laughs> Just wanted to go to his church. So I went, I, I, we went there on Saturday. I wanted to find out where it was. And I went to his church on Saturday night, found out it was. And boy, this place was just a huge place. But there was not a soul there. This was Saturday night. Not, I mean, not a person. The parking lot was completely empty. And so we did what normal visitors do. I've come to realize this. What normal visitors do is... is you make sure you get to church about three minutes after it starts, right? Because you don't want to go through the whole 
Who are you? Why are you? I mean, you just want to, it's already started, you can just sneak in. How many of you are with me? You ever do that when you go to church? All right, even pastors do that. Yeah. So plan it just right. GPS will have me pulling on the parking lot three minutes. It was started at 8.30, 8.33. We're going to plan on pulling in the parking lot, and everything's great. Well, we get closer to the church at this time, Saturday night, completely empty. Sunday morning, I get to the church, and I drive on the church parking lot. And right there, as you drive on, there was a sign sitting there that said, first-time guest, turn on your hazards. So I said, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. Turned on my hazards. Well, I realized when you do that, that means fresh meat, come get you. That's what that meant. And so we pulled on a knot 10 feet after hitting those hazards. There's a fellow that came. He's in a pair of shorts and a yellow jacket, had a walkie-talkie in his hand. And the biggest smile I've ever seen. He walks up, and I take my window down, and he sticks his hand right in my window. He introduces himself. He tells me how happy I, he is that I'm there at their church. And he says, um, ask us our names, and we tell us our names, and he says, there's a red tent in the middle of the parking lot. If you'll just go to that red tent, they're going to be waiting for you, and I'll make sure I call ahead. I thought, this guy's a nice guy. Drive in, and there we go. We go to the tent, and right there by the tent, like the welcome banners that we have in the front of our church, they had these right in the middle of their parking lot, and it said, yes, parking. And, and so I knew right where to go, the red tent. And we pull in, and the guy moves over, the, the right, and, you know, pulls right in. And, and I pull in, and I, where's the guy at? And I get out of the car, and he's on my wife's side. That guy opens the door for my wife, gets her out, and closes the door for her. And I said, wait a minute, buddy, you're making me look bad, you know? I'm coming to church. I'm not coming for this. He says to my wife and I, he says, hey, Jeremy and Michelle, he said, if you'll, and I said, what? How do these people know my name? I remember the guy at the front radioed ahead. The whole place has my name. 22,000 members, they say, and everybody knows my name now. He says, so-and-so, he tells us this lady's name, so-and-so, right at the tent. If you'll just walk there, again, from here to that wall away, if you walk there, and they'll help you with everything you need. We walk over. Oh, are you Jeremy and Michelle from Ohio? I said, this place is impressive, Dave. Now, we are, it's a big parking lot, and even though we were toward the front of the parking lot to get to the buildings, there's a long walk. Now, I want to mention, it's about 102 degrees, not exaggerating at all. It's about 102 degrees at 8.30 in the morning, 8.33 in the morning in San Antonio. And it just gets hotter from there. And there's probably 15 people in that parking lot working like the air condition was on, and they love Jesus. And when she, we got to that, that red tent and he kind of handed us off, he said, she said this to us. She said, Jeremy and Michelle, we've been waiting for you. Did you have? What? This place is awesome. She walked us from that tent and walked us up to the, there's a, a desk, a booth, a, a, a structure right outside of their sanctuary. That's a permanent structure. She walked us up to that structure and she said, this is Michelle and Jeremy Rands from Ohio and they're here to visit with us today. 
And I said, are you expecting us to? And he said, we sure are. Now, some of the things that they did was a little bit awkward and weird, but I thought it was interesting. They said, we're so glad you're here. Here, here's a sticker. And they gave us a big old red sticker that said visitor. <laughs> well, I took the sticker and I knew the deal. I was going to just put it in the flyleaf of my Bible. I look over and Michelle's putting it on. I'm like, oh, great. I guess I got to put the sticker on too. So she put the sticker on and I put the sticker on. The people from the booth walk us into that. And I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm getting somewhere with this. They walk us into this church building. Now, and I think partly because of security, they didn't have any glass doors. John Hagee is very pro-Israel, and you could see the, the security everywhere. And so when they open these big, solid doors, um, you can't hear what's going on until you, you know, you can't see anything, you can't hear anything. So they open these doors, and we walk into a lobby. And the nicest lady with... It, it's like she took gift wrap paper from, from Christmas, the whole roll of it, and just made a hat out of it. And she welcomed us in. She was so kind. She said, we're so glad you're here. Soon as, I pulled, soon as we walked into that lobby, I heard the music that was going on in the auditorium. And I said to Michelle, this place is exciting. Now, I've only been there about two and a half minutes. I've met about 15 people. I've only gotten now as far as the lobby. And I said to Michelle, I'm coming back here. She said, but you've got a job. I said, I know, but I'm coming back here. They had me hooked. They had me hooked. The lady with the wrapping paper about six feet high on the top of her head opens the door, and again, it's a solid door, opens the door to the auditorium, and it was like opening the door to Disney World. I'm telling you, it was like something. They were playing a song, I'll Fly Away. How many of you have ever heard that song, I'll Fly Away? Now, you never heard it like this. Thousands of people literally thinking they're going to fly. I mean, they were flying. And I, I, they, I looked up, and there's a hundred or more people in a choir swaying like they were getting ready to take off. And this lady says, where do you want to sit? And I said, I'm going to sit down front. She said, you ain't no Baptist then, are you? I said, actually, I do. I pastor a Baptist church. She said, then you want to sit in the back? I said, no, I want, to, I want to sit in the front. And she danced us from the lobby to the fourth row. I mean, she, about halfway, I said, Michelle, we look stupid. And Michelle and I danced all the way down with her <laughs> to sit in that seat. I mean, we looked out of place being normal, we thought. It was the most fun, energetic, and I'm not, listen to me, the truth is I'm probably under-exaggerating the experience. I'm not over-exaggerating a single bit. We were there less than 10 minutes, and I said this to Michelle, I want what this church has. I want it. I'm hooked. They sang. And I'm not, I'm not, I, let, me, let me take that back. They worshiped. I mean, thousands of people worshiping the Lord. I didn't see one person standing there. 
I didn't, want, I didn't see one person. I'm, th- I'm, 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 I'm simply saying from the guy that whoever it was that set that sign out to the guy that put his hand into my car and everybody else from the people in the lobby to the everyone around us that was in that auditorium, everybody was participating in worshiping. And I'm telling you, it was phenomenal. He got up, and the, John Hagee got up, and he, and again, some of this stuff was just weird and, and uh, awkward, and this was one of those things. He got up, and he said, hey, if you're a guest with us today, I want you to stand. And I thought, oh, great. What are they going to make us do? Because everyone tells you, you don't make a guest feel awkward. So we stood. Michelle gave me one of those, we got a big sticker. They're going to know. You know, I was like, you're right. So we stood, and people stood all over that giant auditorium. And he said, we're so glad you're here with us today. Ushers, we're going to come and we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord through giving today. And as those ushers came down the aisle, every one of them stopped and reached into our aisle, shook our hand, told us how glad we are, introduced themselves to us, asked us our name. I mean, church is going on. And said, thank you, you can be seated now. And that was it. It was just another way to welcome us. Now this... This would get me kicked out of our church. He said, how many of you are excited to worship the Lord today? And everybody clapped. He said, we're going to worship the Lord through giving. Take your tithe envelope and wave it to the Lord. Everyone stick your tithe envelope in. And thousands of people stuck a tithe. I grabbed an empty one out of the pew and I said, Michelle, here, grab this one. Put it up. I've never been in a church like this. When everyone put that up, people began to clap and praise the Lord because they had an opportunity to tithe. I've never seen anything like this. I'm, I'm serious. I'm sitting there, I'm saying that was the weirdest thing to hold up a tithing envelope, but I've never seen this many people excited to give to the Lord. They received the offering and... and special music, and the preaching was biblical. The the entire experience was just incredible. During during the offering time, one of the things he said, if you're a guest with us, and, and, and so he's at the platform, and on the each side of the platform, you could walk back, there's doors. He said, I we have, we want to, I want to meet you personally. And he said, if you'll, after the service, if you'll just follow these, and there's, there's a person on this side and a person on this side with a sign. They were short little people. And um, they're just waving like this. I mean, it was the goofiest smile and the goofiest wave. And I'm like, I'm going to go back there just because the guy's so cute. It was, it was like, there were like midgets from, from the Wizard of Oz or something holding these signs. It was incredible. I'm like, they got the two cutest people that could hold signs. I'm going to go back just because they're cute. And there's just, after the service, they reminded us, if you'll go follow those signs. And there they were back holding the, holding the signs. And we went back and, and, and just went back. And there was a nice little room. And in that room, we walked in and, and there was coffee and juice. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, like a, on a table without a, a cloth. I mean, I'm talking everything was somebody put their first class, first touch. It wasn't expensive. It was just done so well. I thought to myself, they're doing this to the Lord. 
And we came back for seven or eight minutes, and, 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 and there was probably 20 people in that room. And the room wasn't a large room, but about 20 people with a volunteer and, and, the, and, and just coming up and saying, hey, you know, make sure you get some coffee. Make sure you get some juice. Those cookies are good. Get those scones. They, they, we, we just hope that you enjoyed service today. And, and just very non-confrontational, but very kind. And the, every touch, I said to myself, this place is a special place. And John Haggy came out, and, and um, he had security there, and, and he had a little rope that he stood behind. And, and he said, come, come up, come up. And we stood, we got up there, and he stood. And he took seven minutes, eight minutes, and asked every single person, where are you from? How'd you hear about the church? Well, every single guest that was there thanked us for coming, prayed with us, left. Up until the place where I met him, other than one other person that was in that room, every single person that I met were all volunteers. I didn't, I mean, I, I met John Haggy there for just a few minutes and said hi to him. Only other person that was in that room was, he was a pastoral staff member, he introduced himself. Every single person there was there because they loved their Lord and they loved their church. And I'm telling you, it made an unbelievable impression on me and I'm sure anybody else that was there. I said to myself, no wonder they boast of 22,000 members because it was an incredible experience. And this is what I realized. One man can't do all that. John Haggy didn't set the sign out and meet me in the parking lot and walk me to the door and dance me down the aisle and, and, and hold the little sign and put the coffee out and put the scones out and take care of all of those things. It was done because one person can't do it and God, does ne God never intended for a single person to do it anyways. And hear, hear me on this, and I'm, I'm going to give you some thoughts here, and we'll be done this evening. When I left that place, I don't know, any, everyone told me their name. I can't remember anybody's name. I can't remember the guy with the radio. I can't remember the guy that was flirting with my wife and letting her out of the door. I can't remember the lady that was, walked us to the building. I can't remember the lady that danced us down the aisle. I can't remember... And every one of them told us our, their name. And I can't remember anybody's name. But I do know this. Many times throughout that day, I said, God, what a wonderful church you have. The lady next to us, this is the truth. When the usher, the, the lady brought us down and she just did this. She, the lady was sitting on the end. Now, how many, of you, how many of you like to sit on the end of the pew? And how many of you hate it when somebody interrupts you? This lady was sitting there. The usher came down with Michelle and I. She was sitting on the end, and there was you know, somebody on that end, somebody on this end, and just a little bit in the middle, a little space in the middle there. She looked up, saw, got out, sing, let Michelle and I in, let us in, told us how great it was, and went back to singing. 
I looked at her and said, you, you didn't mind moving for us? Because nothing was disrupting them. They were so glad to worship the Lord. Whether it be Israel, whether it be a local New Testament church, whatever it is, God wants to receive the glory, and he's not willing to share it with anyone. God doesn't build a nation, and God doesn't build a ministry upon a man. God builds it for his namesake. And when it's built upon a man, it'll crumble under a man. Now, God uses men. Don't get me wrong. God uses men, and God uses... God uses leaders. I'm not saying leaders shouldn't lead. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is this. If God's going to do something great, you know what he does? He uses his army of people to do it. I want to give you these thoughts here out of Exodus chapter 18, and I hope you understand my heart. God said to Moses this. He said, you've got some responsibilities, Moses, and this is Jethro giving this to Moses, but God used Jethro to instruct Moses. And he said to Moses, in verse number 19, he said, Moses, hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward. You know what he said, Moses? Your main responsibility is you've got to spend time with God so you can give people God. Hear me. Too many times in churches, the pastor wants to be involved in everything, and sometimes the people think the pastor should be involved in everything. God never intended for one man to make every decision. What God intended, whether it's in the local church or in Israel, and I can show you this in Acts chapter 6 as well. In Acts chapter 6, I've been preaching through a healthy church, and what happens? The Grecians come and say, our widows aren't being taken care of, apostles. And what the apostles say, it's not good that we wait tables, that we, that we stop praying and spending time in God's word. You've got to call some men, some godly men, that will take care of this and deal with this. You see, the local church in Acts chapter 6 had the same problem. They were going to depend upon just the, the man of God to make all the decisions. You know what? All through the scripture you find, his responsibility is to be Godward. When, when one man or a, a group of men, a pastoral staff or the group of the apostles there in Acts chapter number 6 or Moses here in Exodus chapter 18, when all the work is put on them to do, number one, God doesn't get the glory that he deserves and he desires. And number two is this, it takes away the opportunity for other leaders to be involved. God said to Moses, your responsibility, your first responsibility is you've got to spend time with God. You know, listen, you know what happens? Too many leaders, too many spiritual leaders get involved in things that they should never get involved in, and it takes them away from spending time in God's Word. And then they get up there when it's time to preach, and they're dry and they're empty, and they have no substance because they've done everything all week long except spend time with God. And it's not to be that way. He says, spend time with God. And, and, and then look at the responsibility. He says this in verse number 20. He says, and thou shalt teach. Whose responsibility was it? Moses, to teach. He says, I want you to spend time with God, and then I want you to teach. Teach what? Teach 
them ordinance and laws. Teach them what God is giving you. Teach them to spend time with God. Teach them to know God. Teach them to know God's word. You know what? I believe this. When you teach someone how to have a relationship with God, they can follow God and God can lead them. Listen, so often pastors and other other men with good intentions, they try to be the Holy Spirit to the people. When God never intended me to be the Holy Spirit to you, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He is the one that's supposed to direct you and guide you. He's the one that's supposed to lead you. He's the one that's supposed to comfort you. And God's not, God's going, he gave you the Holy Spirit for that purpose. And listen, so oftentimes, if we're not careful, we, we, we give up that to follow a man and listen to what man says when, when my responsibility ought to help you know how to hear the Holy Spirit of God. Here, I talked to so many people. I, I, I sat with, I sat with a, um, um, a young person just, just out of, out of um, in, in college, out of high school, grew up in church, grew up in a Christian school. I sat with this person two weeks ago in my office, and they said this, I know the whole list of things that I'm supposed to do. I've been taught my entire life, if you do this and don't do this and don't wear this and don't go here, if you do all these things, then you can be right with God. And they said, I followed all those things, and I don't have a relationship with God. All I know is all the things that I was told to do, but no one has ever told me how to have a relationship with God. I don't know what it's like to hear the Holy Spirit. I thought to myself, here's a 20-some-year-old person who's been saved since they were young, grew up in Christianity. We failed. We need to teach people how to have a relationship with the Lord. Teach them. And then, and then he says this, Jethro says to Moses, look, look with me in verse number 21. Moreover, are, are you with me tonight? Everybody with me? Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men. The third thing he says is, I want you to be Godward. I want you to teach. And he says, provide. Give the people leadership. Put people in place that can lead. And fourthly, look what he says there in verse number 22, just a small three-letter word, and let. And let. And let them judge the people at all seasons. You know what we have a hard time doing? Letting people do what God has called them to do. Because it has to be our way. It has to look a certain way, be a certain way. You know what we might be afraid of? Someone doing something different. I thought to myself, what if a lady at Monclova Road Baptist Church who had a hat six feet high, I'm not exaggerating, the thing was huge, she had a duck to get in the door. Danced her way down the aisle to seat somebody. How many people would fall out of their seat? And say, what in the world is she doing? I, I, I tell you what she was doing. She was letting the Lord use her. 
and somebody allowed her to do it. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. When somebody doesn't do it the just, you know, the, the traditional way that was supposed to be, we, we what in the world? Where are we going? How many of you ever heard slippery slope? If we're not careful, what we've done is we've confined everybody. We don't give any people. There's no room for the Holy Spirit anymore. Because everything's just got to be. And if you don't fit that mold, you, you really you need to just, you know, just sit down, lady, with a six-foot hat. But sit in the back so people can see past you, you know. And he said to Moses, if you'll just be Godward and you'll teach the people the word of God and give the people leadership, let them lead. Do you realize we want, we need God-filled, Holy Spirit-led people. That's what makes the church an exciting place. You know what I'm afraid? Can I just, I'm just sharing my heart with you. Am I allowed to do that? You know what I'm afraid? We're so afraid to let the Holy Spirit of God lead us. Like, God forbid we do something different, weird. I, I had somebody say this to me one time. Pastor, I wanted to raise my hand and praise the Lord, but I didn't because the, no one else around me did. I said, so you grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, no, nobody else around me did. I said, so because they grieved the Holy Spirit, you grieved them as well. You're just as bad as them. <gasps> You're right. You're right. I looked a couple weeks ago, and there she was with both hands waving. I said, praise the Lord. Moses, be Godward, teach people, provide the people, and let them lead. And this was the responsibility to the people. Look, look with me what the Bible says here. In verse number 20, the Bible says this, And thou shalt teach them ordinances. This is what Moses, I want you to teach them ordinances, teach them laws, teach them the word of God is what he's saying. Okay? And shalt show them the way wherein they must, what's that word? Walk. You know what the responsibility of the people are? To walk. When you've learned what to do, you're supposed to do it. You know what I learned at this church this weekend? Somebody was Godward, somebody was teaching, somebody was providing, and somebody was letting. And you know what the people did? They responded and they walked. Do you know how that sign got there that said, that started the whole thing? Turn your hazards on. Somebody had to put that sign there. Somebody walked up and put that yellow jacket on and took that radio and said, I'm going to own this. Somebody had to put that, because that red tent, just several hours before on a Saturday night, it wasn't there. And I don't think John Hagee put it up Saturday, Sunday morning. Somebody had to man that tent, and somebody had to put those, those flags up, and somebody had to open that door for my wife, and somebody had to put that, give me that sticker, and somebody opened that door, and somebody walked me down the aisle, and somebody shook my hand, and somebody received that offering. It was somebody that said, you know what, I'm going to walk. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let him be Godward, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to grow, and I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to walk. And the Bible goes on to say this. They, they walked after they were taught. And, and, and then look what it says in uh, verse number 20 as well. And so, and thou shalt um, show them the way and they must walk, and the what? The work 
that they must do. Do you know what makes for a wonderful experience at church when everybody does their part? When you stop doing your part, you start getting critical. Because you stop serving, you stop doing things. You take a step back and you evaluate everything. You know what, here, and I'm not saying, I, I started out, things should always get better. and We, we want to get better and we need critiquing and we need to analyze. And I'm not, But what I'm saying, sometimes we think that we have the gift of criticism and the gift of critiquing when what we ought to be doing is working. Everybody around us, it wasn't just the person that put the signs out and held the signs. That whole place, everybody around us, the people that were singing, they were doing their part in worshiping. I, I, I wanted to sing because everybody, and I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, the people in front of me, the people next to me, the lady behind me, the, 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 the gentleman that was sitting on the pew behind us, the ones that were over here, the ones that were all around, I'm looking around, I'm saying, why is everybody singing? Dave, what's going on here? How can this many people be this happy? Because they all realized they were doing their part to bring God glory. Whether it was serving or ushering or giving. I, listen, I'm not... Raise your, I mean, they were like waving it. I wanted to sing because everybody was singing. I wanted to give. I said, Michelle, take money out of your wallet. I don't have any in mind. You hold it all. I wanted to give because it was so fun to give. I don't want to just hold up an empty envelope. Put something in it real quick. It was because they made it fun. If giving to your Lord is this fun, I want to be a part of it. If singing to your Lord is this fun, I want to be a part of it. I'm telling you, I can't hold a note. And I was singing. Listen, I even clapped. I did. And this is what I said as I was sitting there. I want to worship like this when I go back to my church. This is the joy that I want to have when we're singing about our Savior. But one man can't do it. The entire church has to realize there's something for you to do. There's a walk. There's a work. In verse number 21, the Bible says, Moreover, thou shalt, thou shalt provide out of all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and, and these are all the qualifications, and these are the things that we ought to do. I think if you learn God's word and you walk in, 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 in the spirit, and the spirit of God is leading you and directing you, you're going to be an honest person. You're going to fear God. You're going to hate covetousness. This is, what a, this is what a spirit-filled Christian is supposed to do. And the result of that is this. And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Not everybody is going to be a ruler of thousands. Not everybody is going to be rulers of hundreds. Not everybody is going to be rulers of fifties. And not everyone's going to be rulers of tens. But every single person has their place. And I think that's what makes church so special. They say that 20% of the people do 80% of the work at church. And that shouldn't be. 
Church is not a spectator sport where you come and you watch everybody else serve. Church is a place for everybody to be. It's part of the body. You're part of the body. My, our teens went to a missions trip, and in, in the pastor there, his name is Chad Braley. And Blake, you know, you know him. And Chad was born with five fingers on this, and his, his other hand looks like this. And they say it was because when he was, was in his mother's womb, he had his hand up on his face almost the entire time through different ultrasounds and things they saw. And so he doesn't have any other issues, and there's nothing else wrong. It's just the fact that his hand, the, the three fingers didn't grow. And so he, um, when, when Jacob was young, uh, really young, when we were serving together on staff, he would walk up to Chad, and he would just, he's looking at his, and, and we could watch him, and Chad would move his hand, and he, Jacob was like, and then we, we saw Jacob do this. And he was walking around like this. He's like four years old, and he's walking around like this. And, and we're like, Jacob, you can't do that. And you're making fun of him. I'm not making fun of him. How come he looks like that? You know, and he thought it was cool. Jacob noticed that there was something wrong with the body. He noticed that there were three fingers that were missing that he looked off. And hear me, when you come and you don't do your part and you don't participate, the body looks odd. Because you have a part that God wants you to do. And you can't just come and watch someone else do it. You can't come and watch someone else serve. You can't, the pastor and the staff, uh, Brian Mitchell and I were talking not long ago, and he said this, we can't pay everyone to come do everything. I said, well, if you tithe, Brian, we could probably. Off your, off your salary, we probably could. But we can't pay everyone to, to do everything. Moses, you can't do everything. It takes the entire body to work to walk, to meet a need. And look in verse number 22. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. And I love this part of the verse. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. It's no longer alone. Church is not supposed to be alone. It's supposed to be us carrying the burden together. The success of our local church is dependent on all of us, not one of us. The work that has to be done is dependent upon all of us, not one of us. The worship that's supposed to take place is required from all of us, not one of us. God doesn't want just the, the people with the most beautiful voices to sing in our church because then they get the glory. God wants you to sing so he gets the glory. God doesn't want just the most talented people to serve because then they get the glory. God wants all of us, as I say you, you're not talented, you to serve to, so that he gets the glory. You know what I'm saying. 
Now, there's certain places for certain people. I get that. And when everyone is doing what they're supposed to do, he receives the glory. But our responsibility is to walk, to work, to meet the needs that, uh, that, that are seen and to carry the burden into small areas, into, uh, of, of those small areas. And, and look what he says in verse number 23. If thou shalt do this and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure. God never intended for you or for me to burn out. And too many Christians burn out. You're not supposed to burn out. Because you're not supposed to do it alone. We're not to do this alone. We're supposed to do this together. We're supposed to bear this thing together. We're supposed to identify where the needs are and accomplish it together. Every person is vitally important to the work of God. His desire isn't for us to burn out. His desire is for us to endure. And look what it says. And this people shall go to their place in peace. Do you realize the result of us doing this together is people go to their place in peace? I left, I left Sunday, and it was so peaceful. I said to Michelle, I said, let's just wait. We're going to go to the 11 o'clock service. She said, but it's going to be the same thing. I said, I know it was that good. She says, well, we could go get some coffee. It'd be good, too. I told her this. I said, I want Jacob to come here. I, I left there peaceful. And, and, and hear me, when, when it's not built upon a man, it's built upon God. But when that man is God-word and he's spending his time in God's word and he's teaching God's word and he's providing leadership and he's letting leaders serve and people are saying, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to walk, and I'm going to see a need, I'm going to get involved in those things, and I'm going to carry this burden. You know what happens when you leave and when others leave? There's peace. How many of you have ever been to a church and there's no peace? It's not supposed to be that way. You have the responsibility. I have the responsibility and we together have a responsibility to make God look good. Because when he does and he's glorified, people are at peace. When we leave here, son, when we leave here tonight, when we leave here Sunday, you know what we should be saying? I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to come back. But if it's a spectator sport, we don't appreciate it. I was <clears throat> probably 10 years ago, I'm done with this, about 10 years ago, I was at a very large church at a conference, and um, I walked into the restroom, and there was this man that was in a suit and a tie. He um, was a very an older, distinguished-looking guy, he was dressed away. He looked away. I knew he wasn't the church janitor because of the way he was dressed. I've never, I've never seen 
It's got dressed this nice, you know. I knew this guy was not the church janitor. But when I walked over to this thing, it was a, it was a, it was a large counter with maybe, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten sinks. I, there was a lot. And have you ever been to this sink where you don't want to touch the sink because there's like this much water on the sink? You know, you want to, you, this guy took, went to the paper towel holder and just took a whole bunch down. And he took several minutes and he just wiped down the entire, I mean, all, all the way down. Just wiped it up, went back, got more. When he was done, there was no more water on the, on the sinks. And that was probably 10 years ago, and I've never forgotten that. And the reason why I've never forgotten that, because I knew that wasn't his job. I knew he cared. I knew he was not probably a visitor. I knew that was his church. And he cared so much about his church that he made an impression. And you know what I find myself doing? I do this at restaurants now. I do it in our church. When I see that, I take a paper towel now, and I just out of habit now. You know why? Because what that guy did impressed me so much. Because most of us, if we're not careful, that's not what I do. We see the problem, but we don't see us as the solution. Somebody else will do it. But when you see the problem and you see yourself as the solution and you work and you walk and you see a need and you, you take care of the need, it becomes yours. And when it becomes yours, it's impressive to people at watch. When you sing because Jesus is yours, it's impressive for people that don't know Jesus to watch. When you serve because Jesus is yours, it becomes impressive for people to watch. When you serve and you sing and you participate and you give and you do all of those things because it's yours and Christ is yours, people want to be a part of it. I think this, some people... And I'm all for confrontational, one-on-one, -on -one, getting the gospel out, sharing the gospel. I'm all for that. But I think as well as people ought to see what we say and how we live and what we do, they match up. Because I think you can be confrontational with the gospel and live like you don't believe it and turn people off. Father, help us.